Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. All right, Barry, 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 Barry. I'm so sorry to inter- uh, I'm sorry, so sorry to interrupt here, but look who we have in studio with us. Whoa! Hey, Carolyn, <laughs> great to see you. How are you? I'm well. How are you today? Yeah, welcome to the show, Carolyn Summerick. So you are incoming president, um, and we have some questions for you. We would love to hear a little bit more about um, sort of what your goal for HFES president or, or what your goal as HFES president this year is going to be. <laughs> many, which also warn that, that may not be a good idea, but it's hard not to have a lot of ideas and goals uh, for the year. I really want to um, continue to increase the value of membership for people. I want to encourage that we. Um, figure out new ways of retaining our transition members. So when a student graduates, we want to retain that person as a, a early career professional. Uh, and so we need to kind of solve that issue. And so we, that means providing more value, more opportunities for uh, these folks to continue their involvement. They're so involved when they're students. We want to keep uh, that level of interest, but of course, um, that means that we have to have a an offering uh, for them that's attractive, that HFES continues to be a resource for them. Uh, and so that's that's a that's a naughty problem, and, and we, we haven't figured that out yet. Um, we also want to continue all of our good advocacy work on behalf of human factors and ergonomics. So that means continuing to, um, with our with our public relations and our government uh, relations work to uh, let more of the, of the public, more industry, more government understand the value and the benefit of human factors. Uh, in that way that benefits the public, but it also benefits our members in terms of uh, job demands right. and, and uh, career opportunities for them. Yeah. Barry, did you have something? Yeah, Caroline, firstly, great to meet you and congratulations on picking up the, um, the presidency. Um, before, to get a bit of understanding around your, I guess, your own personal drivers behind that, why did you step, decide to step up in the first place? What was your driving passion about wanting to become president? So I, I think that's really an important question, and I, and I mentioned that a little bit in, in my short uh, introduction speech this morning. Somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, we think you'd be good for this. And I think that that's really an important thing. You know, uh, there, I, you know, sometimes there's this perception that, you know, men step up to things and women wait to be invited. And I don't necessarily believe that it's it's quite that dividing line, but I do believe that some people, it, if you just give them that little bit of a nudge to, you know, a little bit of that encouragement to say, hey, you know, you really do have the background, the experience, the, the drive to, to do this thing or that thing. And so, you know, we want to invite you to participate in our committee or 
we think that you would actually be great as the the chair of this committee or or you know whatever that is and so i it, it was truly that is that um you know some people uh talked to me not just about this position but uh also for secretary treasurer um when i was considering that people had nominated me and i you know, so that makes you think, okay, well, some people think I could do this. And really, is there a reason why I couldn't do this? Is this time, given all of my experience, that I should step up and do this? Because it is, it's about service and it does take time. Uh, and so it really isn't, well, for me, it's not about, you know, me wanting to be this so much as, there's a need and I think I have a, a fair amount of experience now and perspective on the society. So, you know, it's, it's time to step up. Um, if you look at the, how the elections process works and nominations process, we tend to have a fair number of people who, um, n nominate at the executive council member at large level much fewer number of people for secretary treasurer and even fewer for president and yet we have a lot of people who have the experience to do this and and so you really need to think about is it is it time for me to step up and you know offer myself to take on this responsibility yeah carolyn a couple uh couple uh, comments, I guess, from chat here. First one, Curious Pearl on Twitch. Uh, it's it's uh, definitely can make a difference to get that nudge to know someone believes you would rock a position. I think that's absolutely right. Uh, and then over here on LinkedIn, good points. Also important to invite talented people from marginalized groups into leadership. So I, I agree with both those points. Um, and I want to bring up something. So I guess the, the next question I have for you is this is the first time we've really talked outside of a town hall, which welcome to the show <laughs> officially. Um, so Chris at the town halls always presents sort of this big roadmap of where HFES is going. Can you talk a little bit about what that roadmap looks like with you as president and uh, what you're hoping to accomplish within that roadmap? So we're continuing on uh, with the roadmap uh, and you know, there are a number of things that are did get accomplished for sure. And, and, you know, so those are, those are in place or they're, they're starting out. There are some things that we haven't got initiated yet. And so we, we still work on those. And then there are some that are sort of in, in, in the middle. So the, the, if you see the roadmap, you can see kind of where we are and, and we're, we're not stopping our efforts on any of those. Um, the, one of the things that we're just getting started is this, industry advisory board and Chris has been pushing for that for a while. I know as, as you know, in a, I'm in an academic department, we have an industry advisory board and they provide us with a lot of good um, perspective and thought in terms of how are we preparing our students for careers. And so I think this having HFES have an industry advisory board is going to be good for us in terms of, again, thinking about what are the needs of industry, but also um, how how do we, you know, help our students, help our young professionals? How do we prepare them? What do we give them that maybe in addition to what they're getting in their academic programs that will help them um, 
uh, be ready for in, for you know working in industry, which is what most people do. They don't go into academia, so you know we we need to prepare them for those careers. Um, certainly, we want to keep up uh, supporting our efforts in uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. Little tiny thing is updating the website. We've done so much in this area, and about DEI is still statements that we wrote, you know, two or three years ago. And it's almost like we're so busy that we haven't been had enough time right. to just update people and tell tell them what we're doing. And, and we have been doing a lot. Um, Gwen uh, Malone is uh, has agreed to co-chair the uh, Diversity and Inclusion Committee along with Abby Woldridge. And I'm really happy to have Gwen uh, on that. And um, so uh, we, I, I'm looking forward to having that committee uh, be even more active uh, this year. And uh, Gwen's got some really great ideas. She's been, uh, she got the uh, BIPOC affinity group up and running and it, it's, it's really going well now. And so she's uh, handing off the reins to that. And so now she's gonna be transitioning to chairing the uh, diversity inclusion committee. And, and I think it'll be, it'll be really exciting to have her on there. Yeah. So, just to put you on the spot a bit, Carolyn. Um, oh, <laughs> sorry. But from my perspective, I'm currently the obviously president-elect of the Chartered Institute of Economics and Human Factors here in the UK, and in April I become president. Um, what can we do on an international, I guess, collaborative basis? What can we do internationally better for the benefit of the HF community? Well, I think that's that's really poses a lot of interesting opportunity and and I'm actually looking forward to going to the IEA meeting which is at the end of this month are you going to that um, I'm, I'm not going to this one because we can't um, can't make it but a couple of our representatives are we're definitely going to be there yeah excellent so I think you know that's going to present us with some um, opportunities for you know formal discussions but also very informal discussions as well um, you know, I think something as, as simple as um, some a, a joint conversations, right? Joint uh, webinars that are at a time when people from both of our organizations could actually participate. I know sometimes, you know, we have to think about, you know, when are our town halls and they're sometimes later in the afternoon, which isn't great for uh, people in the UK or certainly not for people uh, in Australia. But we, we do have some folks still listening in, right. and it always amazes me because I'm thinking, what time is it for these people? <laughs> so so I think even just little things like that, like scheduling things at different times from when we, we might normally think is a convenient time to have pe give people the opportunity to participate in, in real time and have conversations and, you know, ask questions. And um, I, I think... I think doing some meetings where we have some breakout sessions where people can meet each other and exchange ideas, um, I, I think those would be really um, low stakes but potentially high benefit uh, uh, starting point. Yeah, I think there's quite a lot of um, um, value there in just having the conversations, which is possibly something we haven't done as much of before, mm -hmm. but yet now we have the means to do so. Um, Nick, I'll hand over back, back over to you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what that collaboration looks like uh, across across the sea, uh, so to speak. Um, so my, my final question for you today, um, 
thinking about your time as president, it's it's the last day you're here. You're handing over the reins to Susan. What do you want your legacy to be? Well, I it really would be about membership and um, and having more young people uh, feel that that this is a society that they want to be connected with um, for for the foreseeable future um, in, in their careers, that, that this really feels like a home for them, um, that practitioners feel like this is a home for them and that, you know, people have, you know, we've been working hard on our um, uh, uh, code of conduct, code of ethics, um, because it matters how people act and how they treat each other. And so we want people to have a very good experience in any activity that they're involved with, whether it's the meeting um, here or whether it's a webinar or whether it's a review of your manuscript. We, we want all of that to, you know, to be good and to be productive and to be learning opportunities and to have them feel like they're growth opportunities and not not anything in the negative at all. So so I hope people just feel more connected to HFES um, than they have. That That's a great goal to have. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for uh, coming on and talking to us. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our next guest right after this. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends. I am sitting here with Susan Katowski, incoming president-elect of HFES. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for inviting me. <laughs> we love to have you. And and uh, we, we always call it part of our president trio. Um, we do the sort of uh, president, president-elect, and then immediate past president as, as sort of the package deal. Uh, love getting sort of the various perspectives and love sort of the handoff process. But I want to sort of start high level. Um, let's just Let's just talk about you. Who are you? What's your background? like let, let the people get to know you a little bit um i am an associate professor at the university of cincinnati go bearcats uh, <laughs> college of allied health sciences i teach primarily in an undergraduate program uh, health science very large undergraduate health science program um, for students who want to go into um, fields like medicine and um, therapy and things like that um, i also research as well um, in various areas, uh, primarily healthcare. My background is in mechanical and industrial engineering. Um, I like to say now I engineer people. Uh, I have a dad who's an engineer, a mom's who a nurse, and I really wanted the two to intersect. And I think human factors and ergonomics does that perfectly. Um, so that's where I landed. That's how I landed here. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's really great to meet you, Susan. And thank you ever so much for giving up the uh, the time, which I, everybody we've spoken to has been saying about just how great it is to see people again, interact with people, and and um, and that's really valuable. So, I guess just get to the nitty gritty, the presidency side of it first. What was it that made you seek election to the presidency? Because you don't just sort of wake up in the morning and go, "Why <laughs> for that?" I mean, you know, um, I mean, well, it wasn't my call, but, uh, but I mean, was it? Did, did, did Are you just fancy the ego bit, or was there, was there a driving force behind why you wanted to do it? Um, it's it's It wasn't about me at all. Um, I've been in the society since a grad student, so by now that's been a while. Um, and just kind of seeing where we've been, and there's just, I think, some places we need to go. And I... I was ready. I was ready to jump in and make that happen. Um, so yeah, it's actually been about a year long process of a decision to finally jump in. Um, I was secretary treasurer elect. Uh, I helped us get through COVID in a good, we're in a good, a good spot, which was definitely a challenge. And then, um, yep. So now, you know, all in right now. <laughs> so you say, you say you want to get in, get stuff done. What is it that you want to get done? What do you want to change? Uh, what's sort of your personal mission within HFES? Um, a couple of different things. One is when I started, uh, I was in a very active technical group and I really want to reinvigorate technical groups. We have, I mean, thousands of people with a tremendous amount of knowledge. And I think we have so much more we can do with that, um, both internally and externally. So I really want to utilize that knowledge um, to get get us out there into the world of really, you know, human factors is in your life every day, everywhere, everybody. But I don't think everybody knows that. You know, they know they have issues. They know there are problems. They don't realize that they're human factors and ergonomics issues. So a lot of education, but like I said, we just have so much to give in terms of knowledge and, and help and so forth. Um, so that's that's one really big area that I want to focus on. That's fantastic to hear because you're right. It seems to be, um, the, as I've, I've been doing HF, it's the idea that most people don't get that we can solve, a, well, not, not, not necessarily solve everything, but actually contribute to an awful lot of understanding um, that we possibly just don't get don't get stuck into. We, it's so easy to focus on the aerodat, but going into those domains that we don't necessarily know that we can make a difference. But just to take a, another uh, step back, um, we've talked to a, um, yourself and a couple of others already who've been in, in taking this presidency um, steps. Um, what is that process for election into HFES? Well, if you if you if you suddenly wake up and go, you know. I want to do this. What, 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 what is the doing it? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a process. So we start in earlier in the summer with a call for nominations. So you have to go out and it depends which position you want. Our secretary treasurer and elect and our uh, president elect, you have to go out and get at least five people to nominate you to get on the ballot, but you really need more than that. So your goal is to get as many people to just nominate you to get you on the ballot as possible. And then that time period closes the top people, the, the people with the most number of nominations get on the ballot um, for president elect, secretary, treasurer elect, and also executive council. And then there's a time period a month where the, the ballot is actually open. So that's kind of campaign number two is to then actually go and get everybody to vote for you. So it, it is definitely a process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, uh, a lot of people, I want to jump into a little bit about the state of the society right now, right? A lot of people look to these professional organizations like HFES for personal, professional growth, um, you know, that type of thing. The question of what's in it for me? There's no secret that membership is declining. Do you do you think about the value of membership um, right now? Do you think it's enough? Do you think we should be doing more? Um if, if you think we should be doing more, where do you think the society can provide more value to those folks that would say those things? I do think we can do more. I think it's definitely an area where we can grow. Um, I think one is, and we're, we're working on this, and some our past president and I, our current new current president plan to continue this, um, building bridges through memorandums of understanding with different other organizations where we certainly can have an impact and we have... Um, you know, a, a good, we can have a good relationship. It, it makes sense to work with them. I think there are some others that uh, I will work towards, um, you know, people with more boots on the ground, the the actual organizations with the, towards the workers themselves, um, the people who are experiencing these issues, but probably don't know that it's a human factors and ergonomics related issue. Um, let's get to those people and not only work top down, but work bottom up as well. Uh, get them educated, get them wanting to know more, get them wanting to be involved as well. Um, you know, connection, other people, I think that's great. Connections for students, mid-career, just all of our different levels. I, again, we have so much um, internal expertise and experience. I think a lot is just getting that packaged up and pushed out there. I think we can do that better. And we're already seeing some of it with the new PR campaign that we're doing has already been incredibly effective in the last several weeks since we've started. So super exciting there and looking for lots more. So it sounds like there's going to be um, under your drive, a, a whole lot of networking going on. Um, lots of networking. That's the goal. <laughs> uh, and if I can chime in one more, um, we have a goal to reimagine what the 2024 meeting looks like. So Oh well, it's still very much in the works. <laughs> see, <laughs> um, see but, Chris told me that last night, and I was like, I don't know how I want to ask about this, and so I was just like waiting for somebody to bring it up. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've, I've, I mean, I have a list of twenty something things already that we're, you know, we're gonna give a go. We're gonna look at different things. Um, just a new look, a more energized feel. Really, ideas of how can we continue to. Um, give science-driven, we will never let that go, science-driven information, but can we do it in some other ways other than just super traditional one-hour sessions, you know, and so forth. And, and there are lots of opportunities. I actually think we'll be able to fit in more content, um, you know, in a reimagined look. Uh, but so very excited for that. That will be 2024 in Phoenix. Um, so yeah, so really looking forward to that one. That does beg the question then. Um, you've also got some ideas about what you could do differently. Can you share with us some of them, some of them thoughts, okay. some of the things that you think we could do differently? Yeah. Um, so one, we talk about a lot about uh, academic and practitioner engagement. And one of them, kind of a bring your problem, let's give you some solutions. So whether it be an academic who says, you know, I think I have this thing I want to look at as from a practitioner, what do you think? Or as a practitioner, here's what I'm facing in whatever scenario, I need you guys to tell me how to fix it, you know, but some quick pitches, some group problem solving, just really dialogue oriented. And, you know, 
but some free opportunity to get a lot of, you know, a lot of heads together in a short amount of time and, and give you a number of solutions that you can probably look into. So it's a super way to get a lot of practitioner and academic engagement there. Um, some other things, uh, some competitions, students, uh, practitioners, academics, teams of people, you know, I don't know, uh, ideal maybe every day we have some little focus where, you know, in the next hour, find a solution to this problem, come up with a, what would an app look like that would focus on this, you know, something like that. So some fun little ways to, to engage more and convey that knowledge. So lots of ideas. Lots of ideas. Uh, and and so I want to talk about, so Chris always shows this big roadmap of things at the town halls, and I'm, I hope to see you at the next one. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, what does your roadmap look like for your tenure? Um, it's still in the works because <laughs> I just technically became official this morning. This morning. Um, but no, there's definitely thoughts. Um, I am honestly, I don't, it will not look, I think, as broad in so many areas. I think I'm working towards a fewer number of areas going deeper than wide, but with the goal, because we have started in on so many things, to continue to support them and move them forward. So probably fewer areas, but a much deeper dive into them while continuing, continuing to move those other areas forward. Right. So from a selfish perspective, I'm obviously coming here from the UK and um, I've, I'm the current president-elect of the Chartered Institute of Ergonomics and Human Factors going on to be um, president next year. One of the things I really want to do uh, is really look at, explore international collaboration. Um, obviously, why are we doing things like this? I, I really enjoy this collaboration I've got with Nick around how, how we do these sort of discussions. What is it, do you think, and really putting you on the spot, so apologies for that, um, <laughs> we between HFES and CIHF and other international organizations um or can what can we do at an international level to either collaborate better or just generally push that hf message better um as a cohesive community what do you think i'd i'd love to see you guys more involved even in our meeting and even vice versa and not you know not i get the whole travel is very difficult <laughs> still but you know, we certainly obviously have technology to do that. And I think it, we can very much center some things around that. But I'd love to see some, you know, workshops, webinars specifically oriented at things like this, because there are, you know, there are many opportunities to work with you guys. And and there's a lot there. Mm. I agree. So I want to, I want to jump forward, I guess, what, three years from now, it's your last day. Yes, three years from yesterday. It's your last day <laughs> as a as as immediate past president. What do you want your legacy to be? She wasn't afraid to try new things, um, and you know, yeah, we're, she was willing to reimagine and push us forward and and see how far we can go. I think that's really really what I would want. Yeah. It's a great message. Yeah. I love that. That is, that is, that's good. And yes. So we're going to be here three years time and we're going to have to, um, uh, we'll, we'll hold you to that. We'll pull out this recording. Yeah. <laughs> we'll pull it up. And that's all right. <laughs> um, say, there's, yeah, nothing in this for me. It, it's just all about everybody. It, it, it's just time. It just needs to happen. It, it, there's too much here to not, not share. No, that, that's a really good shout. Um, Obviously, you, you, we're still kind of in the first first main day. Um, what have you got? What what what's been your impression so far of the conference so far? 
I think it's been good. We had a great opening reception last night. Lots of fun. Um, some fun entertainment in there. Good food. Great networking. Uh you know, and, and moving our awards and things into that, I think, was a, a super nice change um, to be able to, to pull that in there. Um, so just things like that, you know, we are we are moving forward, but I want to accelerate that a little bit more. Um, but yeah, and I, I got to one session today so far. <laughs> That's one more than me. One more than, yeah. And, uh, and it was really nice to see. Um, it was in healthcare. It was in something I'm interested in uh, and passionate about, and and seeing that passion uh, among people there too. And you know, where do we need to go? How do we get there? And things like that. So, continuing to look forward to those. Um, tonight is a huge networking night for us. Uh, I need to be cloned about three times uh, <laughs> to make it all happen. <laughs> but I'm going to be doing a lot of running, lots of steps tonight. But. Uh, you know, opportunities like that. But again, there's so many things going on tonight. It's not possible to get to them. So it's another thing. How how can we, we all want to network, but how can we do that more effectively? Do we look, instead of individual siloed events, do we look at maybe something else bigger where we can all be together yet also have our own little spots? So promote engagement together, you know, that way. So just some things to allow people to engage better. Yeah. Can So, yeah. so this like the sleet of changes that, were announced. Can we expect some more, I guess, micro level changes, kind of like, you know, moving the award ceremony to the opening reception or um, can we expect more changes like that? Or are they going to be bigger, more broad? Um, I think it's going to be a good mix. We know some things work well. Um, and so we are going to leave some of those. And next year, even uh, seeing some progression, maybe a, a test running a couple of these new little changes. What happens if we throw a, a lightning presentation session in for people. So not a traditional 30 minute presentation with Q and a at the end, but you know, a five minute, I'm going to present something and then I'm going to engage with you for 10 more minutes and dialogue, you know, some, so just tweaking, we'll tweak a couple things between now and then. Can I make a proposal? You, you, Absolutely. you put a, a human factors podcast on a stage with seats and then you just you, we work on the schedule ahead of time. We get everybody lined up and then people can come and see and chat. You know, it's like a day long discussion panel where, you know, instead of this, where there's <laughs> but, <laughs> but, every cart rolling, every, every cart rolling. rolling. But I mean, you know, we could be up on a stage. People actually could hear the conversations that we're yeah. having instead of uh, having, you know, we can still do this thing. But anyway, that just it would selfishly. Be great. It would, yeah. <laughs> Some people would nice love to come up here and. Yeah. Nice self promotion there, Nick. Well done. You've you've achieved the mission. That's good. Thank you. All right. I'm, I'm, I'll add you. You're number twenty two on my list. <laughs> <laughs> Just to dive back, I guess, into into your specific interests in in human in human factors, and you sort of highlighted that you you know you're really interested in the medical side of things. But how did you go from what was that inspiration between going from the industry side of things to you know which is very you know very hard steel type. You know that sort of design all the way through to medical. What what inspired that that uh, change of focus? Um, I love working with people. I, I originally thought when I was in engineering, mechanical engineering, I would actually get into the medical side of things through biomedical engineering. But I kind of quickly realized you're working on things for people. You're not necessarily working with people. Um, and I, I wanted the actual live engagement with a person. <laughs> and so I kind of realized biomedical wasn't it. It's super cool. And I, I, you know, when I do get an opportunity to work on things, but I really wanted that part of working with people. 
Um, and again, having a mom who's a nurse and seeing these now retired, but now seeing these long-term implications of what have ergonomic issues over, you know, a 40 year career done, um, I can fix it from an engineering perspective. It engages, you know, the healthcare side of things. It, it was just that perfect merger. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I guess you kind of answered a little bit already, but how'd you get into it actually? Like, you know, like what was oh, my first? <laughs> uh, so my parents, yeah. Uh, my last semester of undergraduate in uh, mechanical engineering, I took a human factors class and it was kind of my aha moments of this is what I've been looking for and what I want to do. And I'm a twin. So they had two of us in college at the same time. And their question was, are you going to graduate on time? Um, so <laughs> I said, yes. And then uh, finding um, a graduate program at that point, it actually kind of happened to work out incredibly smooth. Um, and so went on to do a master's and then a, a second master's actually before my doctorate. Um, but yeah, it was that one class. I needed an elective. I honestly didn't even know what human factors and ergonomics was until that point, which we, we need to fix that, you know, but uh, branding. Problem. Yep, yeah. Last semester, senior year, undergraduate was when I had my moment. <laughs> yeah. Say, that raises a really good point. Uh, and it's an international problem, I think, more than anything else, because we've got exactly the same issue that most people don't find HF. Uh, find human factors you know nobody grows up wanting you know goes to primary school or infant school wanting to I want be, to be an ergonomist right yeah, yeah. You, you want to be an astronaut or a firefighter yeah. or a doctor or a nurse or something um how do we solve that problem um how do we get people you know my kids how do they grow up wanting to be an ergonomist what can we do about that uh, so I have at least tried to push it back into our first year students get when we, we have an intro to health professions course, here's all the things you can do and they get an ergonomics and human factors lecture. Um, but we talk about is you're going to be a, a clinician and a practitioner where human factors and ergonomics fits into that, which is very much. Um, so at least getting it to that point, but we try and do things. I even, I, I even do it at a level with my littlest, um, where we're, we're doing demonstrations to them, you know, at after, after school care and things like that. Super simple, but introducing the concept of biomechanics and stuff to them and then just kind of appropriately, you know, engaging them throughout. But yeah, fun little interactions with the kids, but really getting it in early, at least at minimum in there. And same through middle school and high school, going out into the community and saying, here's who we are, here's what we do. Like I said, a lot of people know that they have issues they just don't know that it's a human factors and ergonomics issue. They don't know the term. They know something bothers them or they know it's really weird to do something this way and it's awkward. They don't know that it's a human factors issue. That's funny because I do that with my three-year-old. I explain when I'm frustrated because of something, I say, this is because no one took into account what daddy would do when he wants to do right. <laughs> So we, we use software in class and I'm like, you have to do this, this, and this. And they're like, well, that's goofy. Right. Because you know, the software designer didn't work with the end user. That's a human factors issue, you know, <laughs> but they don't know that. They just know it doesn't work well. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, so we have a couple minutes left. Yeah. Um, do you have any musings that you want to let people know about? Uh, anything about the state of the society, the conference, healthcare, well, anything? 
Um, so a funny happening. Did I know you guys can't see it there? I should have brought a picture. Did you notice our lovely balloons? I yes, the balloons. Yes, yes. the balloons. The balloons. Can we talk story? about the balloons? Have you heard the so balloons? I heard. Story? I heard the balloon story, but please tell it. Please okay. tell it. I'll try so, to bring up pictures here while we're talking about it. <laughs> there, we're in a hotel, a fairly large hotel, and there are multiple conferences going on simultaneously here, and. There was a pretty swanky conference going on downstairs that had balloons and T-shirts and music. And we wanted to go check out who they were. Uh, what night was it? Saturday night. And so I no fear. Like I said, I'm all about it. I go down there and there's these huge balloon garlands that are really cool. And yep, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, who are you guys? And they're like, we're a teacher's conference. And I'm like, well, I'm a teacher. So we bonded there for a moment. And I'm like, what are you guys doing with these? And they're like, well, we're done. We're popping them. And I'm like, you're popping them? And I go, can I have them? <laughs> and they're like, if you haul them away, you can have them. So I'm rounding up everybody I can find. And we're, I mean, and these are huge. Like they're literally, we're taking like, the elevator and they're, or the escalator and they're, they're longer than the escalator. So I'm bringing them up and, you know, our executive director is walking by and our meeting planner is walking by and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I just got us a bunch of free decorations. <laughs> so we have these, I mean, look at how fun they are. So we acquired four of these kind of crazy, massive balloon garlands and we used them in the, um, they're over top of our registration. They're near our boards and, uh. Yep. So like I said, I am not afraid to mix things up and change things up. And they were thrilled that we could use them and we had a ton of fun with them. Yeah. See? So, yep. So that is how we, how we acquired those. Thank you for telling that story because I heard that last night and I was like, oh, yes, that is hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Didn't even think to ask about it. Yep. That, that's the story. Yep. We pilfered them. <laughs> Well, uh, let's I said see. it's a sneak peek of 2024. Yeah, 2024. That's it. That's it. A so we can. So you're going on the record right now. We can expect balloons at, at uh, HFES well, 2024. We'll see. I, I was told that those run about 800 bucks a pop. That's expensive. That is expensive. So uh, I don't know that that'll happen. But uh, we will. We will have some fun and some some visual appeal. How were they received? Did did people like them? Everybody but one person loved them, and they thought they thought they were uh, frilly. <laughs> No, most people loved him. It was great. Well, Susan, this has been a ton of fun. Yeah. Thank you so much by, for stopping by the booth and talking with us today about uh, your incoming tenure as incoming president-elect. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll be back right after this. Yes, and we're back with more coverage from HFES 2022. I'm sitting here with the immediate past president now. Is that how I address you? As of this I'm morning, so right? I'm used to it. Uh, yeah, it's immediate past president. <laughs> well, welcome back to the show, Chris. Chris Reed, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. You've been on several times, and you and I have talked a million times and uh, between the town halls and everything. Uh, so you know what? I, I am going to skip some of the important stuff. And can we just talk about what everyone really wants to hear about? Yeah. Okay. That suit last night. Can we just talk about that suit last night? Can I bring it up here? Yeah, let's bring out that suit from last night. Yo, that's awesome. <laughs> I call that, that was, my Bond that was suit. suit. That was like that was a, straight out of a, a Bond store. It's channeling his Bond villain yes, last night. Yes, that was uh, my, my uh, alter ego. Um, I had to pull him out for last night. As you know, that, that's like a totally different person. Yeah. That vibe that I was giving is not my normal vibe. That was still fun. It was fun. Um, yeah. How... I'm just going to open it up. I'm, not, I'm going completely off script here, but just how has the conference been so far? It's day one for most people, but 
I know it's like day seven for you. So like, yeah. how are things going? I've been here since Friday. No, it, <laughs> it's been going awesome. Honestly, uh, so let's see. Yesterday we kicked off with our award ceremony. We combined it with our traditional welcome ceremony. So traditionally that used to be just a food and social event. Everybody come out, just rub elbows. We took that and hijacked it and put an award ceremony in it. So we took the awards part off the front of the Tuesday normally, embedded it into the Monday night. And there you go. You know, we had basically food, drink, celebrity status, you know, getting the chance to hear some music. We had Pretty Strings, who's a local area artist, come out. Um, she's an electronic violinist. Yeah, that was great. And she was doing her thing, kicking off the crowd. And then we just went into party mode at that point, celebrating each of those awardees. That was that was fun. Honestly, you saw me start going crazy at the end. I'm like, oh, I, I got a selfie this thing. <laughs> yeah, that's evidence on LinkedIn. Yeah. See, I've had a whole day of just hearing what a great time you're having over there in Atlanta. Um, you at, you're not wrong. Um, and Nick had kept it very quiet at the, the fact that you had some really good entertainment last night as well. You kept the uh, the the ele electronic violinist out, out of this, didn't you? I just didn't want you to feel bad. Okay. Uh, fair enough. Um, so, Chris, you, you've also talked about the way that you've mixed it up a bit for this conference. And that's, I guess, a really good example of some some immediate changes you've made there. Do you, th do you think that's worked? Do you think that that's had a positive feedback already? Yeah, honestly, the feedback that we've been getting is don't stop. Um, it's one of those things that people have been waiting for, um, looking forward to some progressive change that's entertaining. Uh, you know, it's the combination of enlightenment, celebrity status, you know, getting our awardees the chance to talk about themselves and how they got there and why what they did is so important. And then at the same time, you know, just have fun, man. There's nothing like combining, you know, food and drink with, you know, just being around people. There, yeah. There's something post-pandemic even that's even more eclectic. Um, when we were in pandemic mode, it was like, hey, I'll see you on, you know, Zoom. I like kind of what we're doing right now, Barry, sorry. But hey, <laughs> if Barry comes over, <laughs> over here or I go over there, right? you know, it's a, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. So it was, it was fun. I think that's well worth it. Everybody's saying we want to keep doing it um, and we'll just keep ramping it up. The only thing I say that we're missing was a DJ. Yeah. Um, I had cued some Usher music for my walk-in. And they didn't get me my Usher music, so I didn't get to dance up on stage. And so, yeah, you guys will have to will have to wait till next time. You know, it's funny because I watched about half of it in there. And then I came back to the podcast booth just to make sure that the feed was working for this morning's plenary. Uh, and um, I was like, oh, I'm really glad we're not streaming this because we could copyright strikes. Because <laughs> everyone was picking great music. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, Chris, uh, you have just passed over the baton to Carolyn uh, as of this morning, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, how does that feel? It, it was really enlightening. So, what you guys don't get to see is what happens behind the scenes over the weekend during the, the last executive council meeting. Um, so, on Saturday, I host my last meeting. And then on Sunday, Carolyn hosts her first meeting. So, actually, at the end of Saturday is, is the initial transition ceremony. Mm -hmm. That's the start of the process. Uh, so I give her her mouth. Well, I call it the mallet. <laughs> it's her gavel. <laughs> and so I, I hand that over to her this time. Well, it's my only time I've experienced this. But when I was doing it, you know, my voice started cracking up. I'm giving my, you know, going away speech, essentially my swan song, my initial swan song. My voice cracks up. I'm like I'm getting all emotional. I feel my uh, hair rising off the back of my neck. I'm getting goosebumps. I'm like, 
man, my shoulders feel less tight. Like, what's, <laughs> suddenly, what's going on? All of a sudden, I feel lighter. And it's, I pass the, the gavel over and like, hey, good luck with that. Do you feel that weight coming down on you? <laughs> Throw that thing away. Here's the gavel. Peace. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the burden uh, of, of leadership is is one that you take into account. I guess it's like, you know, if you guys are aware of Game of Thrones, you, you sit on that throne that's full of sharp objects. Um and that thing can cut you if you don't sit on it properly. But it, all leadership comes with that burden, that weight. But Carolyn, she is well-versed. We had a year of shadowing um, right. as she came in as president-elect. She's ready to go. Um, and she'll you know, kick butt and take numbers. I, I don't have any doubt, Carolyn. And that, that's great to hear, that, that, that level of confidence as well. If I can take you back, I guess, 18, maybe 20-odd months, um, when you decided you were going to run for the presidency, you, I mean, we spoke on the 1202 uh, podcast around um, what your ambitions were and, and that type of thing. Can you just reflect for us what, what made you want to run for the presidency in the first mm -hmm. place? What did you want to accomplish? Yeah, it was a, a combination of things. So um, I was thinking back to 2020 uh, when I initially ran. Uh, you know, we had a combination of events. We had George Floyd happening when we were talking about things happening for increasing in diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, so at the time, you know, we've never had a, a person of color like me on the stage as a president. So I was like, hey, what the hell? Why not? So that combined with, you know, I felt the society was at a pivotal point where we needed to make some changes in order to be more inclusive not just from a DEI perspective, but also from a practitioner perspective, looking at more capability for spreading and increasing membership. So with my experiences, where I've been, the organizations I've worked for, I'm really good at solving problems. And I felt maybe now is the time to contribute back. I'm finishing my secretary treasurer position. Let me go ahead and try the presidency, see what can happen, surround myself with the right people and, and try and move the society forward, make some good changes. Do you think you did it? Do you think you moved the society forward? I think I put a good method in place. So in my uh, my my exit speech today, um, kind of showed two slides that had a before and after roadmap. So the before had less black dots, the after had more black dots. Obviously, there's a bunch of empty dots that still remain to be done. But the methodology itself is in place. How do you reach out and open up opportunity, open up conversation, open up relationships? with people you traditionally don't talk to. Uh, and that inclusivity conversation, uh, that partnership conversation is a method that we have founded now. And so we can do that with technical societies. We can do that with private public institutions. I, I think we're on our way. So now at this point, it's just learning how to grow. That's really um, a really nice way of putting it, I think, because I, I think it's not just saying, yes, I've delivered this, but you've also laid a roadmap. You've laid a a foundation to, to be built on and that constant referring to now turning into that progressive organization is mm -hmm. i think has been a really clear message through i guess through your past 12 months has anything surprised you uh, something that you maybe either didn't know or so just something that you weren't expecting throughout your year uh, I didn't realize how much institutional inertia that HFES had <laughs> that I had to overcome <laughs> I mean to, to, you know, I'm not going to go into the physics. You guys know momentum and inertia. It's, it's like an uphill battle. 
I think people were so used to, if it's not broken, why fix it? And what they didn't realize was that the system broke a long time ago. They just got used to it being broken. And they started seeing past that. And so here we are, we came at these this opportune you know, uh, moment in time where it's like, why not? We had a meeting on Sunday with the executive council where we all voted on making some uh, institutional changes to the annual meeting itself. So while we're looking at it at the micro level, yes, we just put on an awesome party on, on Friday, or what am I saying, Friday? On Monday. <laughs> yes, yeah, right? Party, fast forward to Friday. Like I said, you've lived already seven days of the conference. You're fine. It's, it's I'm living in the future. Um, yeah, we're looking at ways to morph over the next three years the uh, the overall way we do a conference. Um, how do we make it more inclusive? How do we double the, the attendance in, uh, in the opportunity itself and then maybe triple it after three years? And so these are ways that we're looking at in larger trade shows, learning from them and seeing what we can bring to uh, the society. So it's, it's clear that your perspective on the society as a whole has changed in your time as president. Has your perspective on human factors changed or how you view human factors in relation to the rest of the world? Has that changed at all in your time as president? So I, I started in, in terms of um, my core qualifications, you know, coming out of industrial engineering, um, finishing my, my PhD in human engineering, human factors and, and ergonomics. I've worked primarily on the physical side. But changing over to the presidency, you know, my position with uh, ASTM on the board of directors there, advising on the National Safety Council, I've learned to become more of an, uh, an evangelist, so to say, of human factors and ergonomics. It's a position that we traditionally aren't used to. We're, we're traditionally used to wearing our lab coats and being in four walls and running a bunch of test, sub test subjects through and, and printing the results in a publication. Uh, but I think there's, there's another... Um, level beyond that, which is the operations of a society that pushes the science, that pushes the opportunity for people. And then there's the the evangelism of the science itself, right? If nobody's out there talking about it for you, does it exist? If a tree falls in a forest, did it make a sound? And so if nobody knows about you, then you're not getting anywhere. It's not actually making a difference. And to get to that point, for us to make a difference in designing systems for people, we have to actually be involved in the design and our people have to be involved in the design. So that's really my emphasis there. We have over 300,000 jobs that will be out by 2029 in the U.S. alone, much less the rest of the world. You know, you combine that opportunity with are we manufacturing enough people to put in those jobs? Probably not. We're at one percent of that. And so how do we start ramping that up? That's quite scary because there's um, we, we were talking about some jobs earlier on today and the fact that the size of the HF community in the US is just so huge um, compared to, I guess, here in the UK where we've got um, a much smaller resource pool, yet we've got loads of jobs out there to fill as well. So I guess there's, what can we do on the international stage? Um, to collaborate better, to cooperate better, or ju just to push the word of human factors more as, a, as an international community? Yeah, it's, it's interesting you ask that because the, um, the Australians reached out to me um, on our HFES Australian counterparts a couple months ago. They were asking about access to HFES publications 
And so internally, we started the process on how do we share our, our internal U.S.-based, U.S.-centric publications and standards and make it more accessible to not only the Australians, but the international community as a whole. Um, and so this past weekend, we, we passed uh, a vote that basically opens up a new membership. Um, it's a new, uh, an associate level uh, that's going to create a conduit for which people can access that straight up publication and standards access. Um, now we're able to do that. There's still some processing that has to take effect before that can be put in place, but the mechanism is in place to do it. Later this month, we have our International Ergonomics Association um, meetings where we're all convening in Delft. Um, so we're heading over to the Netherlands. We've already started putting something in place to run a ballot on international access to the U.S. Um, publications and standards. So we wanted to make sure we had a, a, a conduit in place so that by the time we reach IEA, it's not only helpful for our Australian counterparts, it's helpful for the rest of the world, too. I, I like that answer about internationalization of HFES, and I think there's a lot of opportunity there. HFES is a worldwide organization, right? It, it makes me happy to know that you're kind of right there, uh, and hopefully that the future presidents will take that and run with it. Sounds like it if there was a vote. Speaking of sort of future presidents, you've just sort of handed over this role of president to Carolyn what does immediate past president mean? What is what does that role do? for for those who are unfamiliar? What does that mean? What does that role do? Uh, it means green pastures, and <laughs> nice sunsets on a beach somewhere. <laughs> I'm gonna go do the ergonomics on palm trees and coconuts. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it, uh, I've been thinking about. I've had a year to think about this because it comes in phases, right? You you start as a learner, uh, understanding what the process takes as the president-elect, then actually executing on it, and then doing a, a, a post-mortem and trying to figure out how to help the next person coming along, the next president-elect or the current president. And so Carolyn actually asked me not to stop working. So I'm going from like an <laughs> operations perspective, uh, running the operations of the house, to now a, a lead advocate and an outreach person. So. The, the whole evangelism thing that I was mentioning before, I've gotten really good at, and they don't want to waste that momentum that I've already gained. And so I'm going to be out there, you know, working with universities, working with other institutions. I've been asked to lead the, the new industrial advisory board. Um, I have two vice chairs coming in from National Safety Council with Lisa Brooks uh, and Michael Wicklin coming from Underwriters Lab. We're actually going to be meeting this week to start mapping out how we're going to bring in 10 new members, uh, both executive and technical level, into the industry advisory board. So this is a brand new committee. We have government relations, which is our original branch of outreach. Um, we have media relations, which started back in the end of spring this year. Uh, and now we have the private institute relations through industry advisory board. So the three of those things running full steam should be able to get us more, uh, more interest in the world. There's a lot of stuff there that you've highlighted that you've managed to achieve and you've, you're hopefully going on to achieve. What will, when people look back and talk about uh, Chris Reed's presidency, what's your legacy? What, what's the big thing that you want to be remembered for? Um, I want to say breaking down the silos. You know, I felt like we were too um, wrapped up in ourselves. Uh, we only talk to ourselves. We're really good at our science and we want to hone in on our science. You know, 
Um, and so that means, you know, basically uh, refining that capability by just battling amongst ourselves, um, by opening up the, the, um, the window and saying there's a bigger world outside. It's not just what's in these four walls. It's allowed us to walk outside and say, oh, wait, I have the ability to work with you and to work with you and to work with you. You know, some of our relationships have been working with uh, historically black colleges and universities. This Thursday, we have a meeting for local area, Atlanta, Georgia, historically black colleges and universities. So we're meeting with Morehouse, Bellman, um, and Clark Atlanta, starting first conversations, fresh new conversations there. We've reached out to technical societies. You know, um, one of our most recent was Society of Petro uh, Petroleum Engineers, um, working with uh, areas in healthcare, um, different technical societies that didn't even have a clue about human factors or had an inkling about it. And now we're helping maneuver them in the direction of how we see intersections. We had task forces on environment and sustainability. Who would have thought human factors and ergonomics has a connection to environment and sustainability? Oh, I can think of somebody. You see? <laughs> yeah, and we formed, we formed people around that. We, we went out, we hunted, we found people that were outside the box who could talk to the science in their community and then work with us to understand our science and figure out how we can intersect the human with whatever element it is they're working on. So honestly, I think I would say, you know, we, we opened up Pandora's box might be my legacy. We broke down the silos and we figured out how the world could find out about us and we could help them. So Chris, we have a couple minutes left. Yeah. Open mic. What sort of message, uh, topic, anything do you want to convey to everybody watching, listening? What do you, what do you want to say? We're not done, man. <laughs> <laughs> I may be walking off the stage, but I'm not done. I hear We're a bell. Not done. We're not done. It, it's, we have, I mean, literally, it, it feels like one of those movies where we just figured out what we were capable of. All right, here we go. You guys will run with this one. Um, think of Dragon Ball Z, right? Okay. How many times do we need to watch Goku go to the next level of Super Saiyan before they, they, they stop doing Dragon Ball Z? I mean, this dude has reached Super Saiyan level five, and we keep finding new levels. He just keeps pulling it out of himself. So I think it's like that. You know, we've learned how to fish in this pond. We've just realized we have a whole nother ocean to go play in. Right. Let's keep let's keep pushing the boundaries. Let's keep pushing the science and learning how to adapt. What, what Super Saiyan level would you say HFES is at right now? I think we just broke level one. Man. Okay. Level, all right. We just, okay. All right. We just went Super Saiyan before that, you know, it, it was all, uh, I'm trying to remember like, uh, where he would basically turn red. Oh, okay. He got the levels that he used to be. It's been forever since I've seen it. Yeah. You know, he thought he was all hyped up until they, they killed his boy Krillin. So, Unfortunately, that, that anger made him level level one. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where we are now. It's like we've reached this level of we've had enough. Right. Now let's do something about it. Yeah. So it sounds like there's a lot of runway to go. Barry, yeah. do, you, do you have any other questions? I guess it's a question I did ask you when we talked last time um, on the 12 or 2 podcast. But obviously I've got in a few months time, I get to take over presidency of the CIHF. Um, what advice would you give me about, um, with your year's worth of uh, experience now, what's, what's the golden nugget that I need to take into my presidency? Um, well, you're going to have to figure out how to commune with your environment. You know, on the council level, for your end, the, the people who you surround yourself, 
figure out um, their boundaries, where you can push them, you know, figure out where they would like to go. <clears throat> Those insights are going to be helpful. But I think if you have something that's aspirational that you want to do, you know, wrap them around that and point them in that direction. I, I know you see I'm, I'm very tactical and strategic. I like laying out, here's what I want to do, do it, and then here's what I did. I, I think you can do the same. It's, it's no different whether you're U.S.-based or in, you know, South Africa or India or um, in U.K. It, it's the same message, man. It's figure out how to spread the impact of human factors and ergonomics, embed your people in all the right places, and make sure they have the ability to grow. Well, Chris, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. And thank you so much for your leadership over the last year. I, I, I am not bullshitting you when I, I, th I say <laughs> that I think that HFES has come a long way in, uh, in just the last couple of months here. Chris, you, thank you so much for, for being on the show. Thanks, everyone. Good, Good seeing you again, Barry. <laughs> Good luck Take with those easy. greener pastures, man. <laughs> Spacecraft, railway locomotives, nuclear submarines, healthcare, jet aircraft, these are all examples of highly technical systems and organisations, and all have one particular thing in common. They all involve humans. Humans who want to do amazing things and are using technology to achieve them. They all have something else in common. They have amazing people ensuring that the users who are involved can do what they need to do, are safe when they do so, and have the optimum user experience. These people are Human Factors practitioners, and on 1202 The Human Factors Podcast, they talk to me, Barry Kirby, about what they do, sharing their career paths, highlighting their ideas and best practices, and fundamentally raising awareness of our discipline. Find us on 1202podcast.com, on social media, and on your favourite podcast directory, because it's more than just common sense.